the positive of this whole thing is that you're going to have so many outtakes to use for the ending and the beginning. Problem is that this is two hours and 20 minutes that I have to cut a lot of. I don't think you have to cut that much. Maybe down to an hour? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Without further delay, we go into Star Wars Season 3. Can't wait. I guess I don't have to. <laughs> no, this is it. All right. So uh, we are in our second part of season three of Star Wars. I would say very high highs and very low lows. Yes. Yes. And just through the highs and the lows, I will say this is where Clone Wars, I think, kind of gets real in the sense that it really starts to connect to so many things at this point. And it starts to you see the tentacles of it really spreading thin here or not spreading thin spreading wide right <laughs> you got lost in your metaphor there for a i second. really did yeah <laughs> but it's really impressive in terms of how it, it's connecting in that way but i will say maybe you can you'll debate me on this the average has moved up a level in my mind despite the lows but we yeah. can talk about that later so. yeah so and i think it's really interesting to see and i think on top of that, we have the animation level going up a level too, which is really exciting to see with some of the choreography, some of the interesting stuff happening on that level as well. We, of course, have so much foreshadowing and so much lore. It's a, it's a blast from the past, or is it the future? It's weird. And of course, sorry, I keep, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, hogging the mic right now, but of course we really have really the building up of Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship to a whole other level. And it's obviously a through line through the first three seasons. And I think every episode I talk about it because it is so near and dear to my heart. And it is these episodes where it's just like, oh man, you know, as as Clone Wars really gets into thick of things, as we've started to mention, and it really starts to have all these connecting points to the larger Star Wars lore. Mm -hmm. I think it's really setting out in this part in the second half of season three it is developing what its role is in the larger star wars universe and as the connecting point between the prequels and the original sequels in just really the bulk of this middle ground that is completely un um unexplored it's just such a great place for a tv show to to fill uh, beyond these trilogy movies and it is i think in this second half of season three that it says okay we know what we are and here here it is for everyone to see we know what we know what show we're dealing with at this point mm-hmm. and it is it's nice to see that from any despite the quality of some of the, the episodes just can i can i say damn the citadel is so good sorry <laughs> Yeah, so it's freaking good. good. I that can't wait to get into is that. That fucking gorgeous. That Isn't purple it? and the go- yellow gold, that's amazing. And you That's my you know, first note. The 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 tidbit the, that I like most is that the um the tactical droid that is in charge on that planet is also in those colors. Yeah, it's amazing. The details, the details, I love it. Uh we'll get into that I'm I'm sure. Of course, this is what we're here to do. All right, so our journey today starts in episode 12, Night Sisters. And in the middle of a battle, Asajj Ventress is betrayed by Count Dooku. 
following the orders of Darth Sidious. She escapes barely with her life and makes it to her, to her home world of Dathomir and her home clan of the Night Sisters. They take her in, and with a couple of uh, fellow assassins, they attempt to assassinate Dooku with an invisibility potion. To be to be clear, they don't try to assassinate him with the potion. They are using the potion. Oh, good point. To help them assassinate him. <laughs> That'd be so funny. Just give him an invisibility. Potion. Yeah, and now you're dead. We can't see you anymore, so now you're dead. <laughs> Very appropriate for a children's TV show. Uh, so this is your first time seeing Dathomir and seeing the Night Sisters, the matriarchal matriarchal what society? Matriarchal. Thank you, matriarchal society of Dathomir. Um, do you have any initial thoughts of how the planet looked, how this, how the scenery was, the system of the society, et cetera, et cetera? Overall, I liked it. Um, the way it looked, the feeling, it was a little bit corny sometimes. Um, I really liked the mother. Mother Talzin is great. It's, it's very confusing, by the way, that we have a mother here and later on we have a father, a, a daughter and a son. Um, so yeah, she has this really interesting, um, thing with her voice going on. She, uh, I mean, I must assume that she uses Ventress for her own goals. She tries to play everything to the advantage. We have some more race or like speciesism or whatever when she, I don't, I don't know what they are called, but like the Darth Maul people basically. Yes. Well, the, the same species the males the males of the species i oh now now i get it okay i didn't i didn't know that and now i i immediately think okay so the sisterhood are like amazons and uh yeah okay cool cool cool. yeah she calls them barbarians and i hate that the guy that ends up um who is the substitute for ventress is called savage i was like are you kidding me the worst name. Tide not Tide. He is the worst that's the worst name in in Star Wars history. But we'll get to that. So following episode twelve, we have episode thirteen titled Monster. And now after being attacked, believing that he is vulnerable and following into Mother Talzin's plans, Dooku goes to Mother Talzin to get a new assassin in the vein of Darth Maul. We get our first Darth Maul mention here. Mm-hmm. Um Ventress then goes to the male of Dathomiri village to look for her new recruit. And through a series of trials, um, she chooses Savage Opress, who is <laughs> the worst just name. the worst name, just the, the absolute worst name in the entire Star Wars universe. And there's some bad names. God. Savage Opress. Are you <sighs> fucking kidding me? You just like call him Bill Bob. Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. that would be better to That's be honest. That's a better name. Yeah. Ugh. Um, but through the magic of the Night Sisters, they make him incredibly strong, super OP, essentially. And then he is presented to Dooku, and he goes on a mission to capture a Jedi Temple and killing two Jedi who stand in his way. And following that, we get into episode 14, Witches of the Mist, in which... Savage, our buddy Savage, is continuing to be trained by Count Dooku, learning how to use the Force a little bit. And interesting to see Dooku as a teacher, as a master here. Um, but Anakin and Obi-Wan make it to Dathomir and they're investigating where he's where he came from. 
um they end up to they end up in mother talzin's lair and she sends them to toydaria to find savage and lo and behold savage is there cap trying to capture the toydarian king can we just can we just call him billy bob from now on billy bob yeah let's do it. <laughs> sure billy bob um billy bob does escape toydaria with the corpse of the toydarian king to the uh, ire of count dooku and on Count Dooku's ship, Ventress, boom, shows up and turns Billy Bob against Dooku. And the two of them fight Dooku um, unsuccessfully as Billy Bob gives up in the face of his master's forest lightning, essentially. Um, Ventress does escape with her life and Savage gets badly wounded by clones as he escapes back to Mother Talzin's lair, who, in a very interesting cliffhanger... Um, shows her an image of her brother in a crystal ball. And of we his see brother, that, right? Yes, of his brother, sorry. Of his brother to go and gives him the instructions to go to the Outer Rim to find him. And we see the image of his face in a crystal ball. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I was literally going to do the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds think alike. Damn straight. But before we even get to the planet of Dathomir... We have some interesting dynamic between Lord Sidious and Count Dooku. Oh, it's so interesting. It's uh, I, I for a second I thought that this is also about attachments. You know, I was like, oh, is is like is attachment also a problem for the Sith? But no, it's probably just so that it's just power. Can... I feel. Yeah, it's just so that uh, <clears throat> Dooku can't uh, use Ventress against Sidious, which is very smart. It's very smart by Sidious and forward thinking in some ways. And it also answers a little bit of your question of the rule of two. You had asked that yes. at the beginning of the season. And why is there a, another dark, dark side wielder, essentially? And it is this is Palpatine's attempt to keep that in track, right? Or on, on track. It's a very flawed system. It, it really is. It, it makes sense in and of itself, right? If you look at the mm. history of the Sith. And so I don't know if you know, but there used to be, so there used to be many, many Sith, right? Mm -hmm. And they would fight against many, many Jedi, clearly. But the Sith, because of their selfishness in nature, their selfish in nature, they would fight amongst each other significantly for power. Um, sorry, civil war upon civil war upon civil war among the Sith. So at the end of a, a long, long war called the, uh, and the dis that led to the destruction of what was called the Brotherhood of Darkness. It was a Darth, it was a, it was a Sith Lord named Darth Bane, who, great, it's a great name, good luck, good Jedi, who reformed the Sith structure to create the rule of two, which was that there could only be two Sith, a master and apprentice. I thought the rule of two was two is one and one is none. I don't, I don't, I don't even, I'm too, I'm too far down the Sith history okay. lore to get yeah, a reference sure. like that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am talking about Sith. Um, <laughs> and I intrude with the real world. Yeah. Go ahead. So following the destruction of the, what was called the Brotherhood of Darkness, it was Darth Bane, who was a Sith Lord, <laughs> who had, <laughs> it's just a great name. Every name in the Star Wars universe is just perfect. And at the top of this pyramid is our boy, 
Savage Opress, or sorry, Billy Bob, aka Billy Bob. <laughs> um, so it was Darth Bane who had created the rule of two, and it was essentially a mandate that there could only be two Sith: a master and an apprentice, right? And the idea was that the apprentice could not overthrow the master until the apprentice was strong enough to do so. And then this would lead to the over generations and generations, the strengthening of the Sith, because the master himself would become more and more powerful because the apprentice would just become more powerful and overthrow. And it would be this never ending cycle, essentially. Right. I see the logic. Yeah, that's their logic. And essentially, because the other side of that would be countless civil wars leading to the inevitable destruction of the Sith. So it was understanding the the nature of the Sith was important to then creating this chain of command, essentially. Mm. So here we are in the Clone Wars, and you have Asajj Ventress working under Count Dooku, um, sort of as a free agent, not officially a Sith apprentice. And this is why Darth Sidious can then call on his official apprentice to kill Asajj Ventress for fear that she would be used against him. And as you mentioned, uh, you questioned why this was possible, and it really isn't, right? And this sort of answers that question. And it leads to uh, what I would f- what I would say is some of the most interesting dark side wielders, and these are the non-Sith dark side wielders. Ventress being one of them, and Billy Bob being the other. So it's, I find the free agent dark side wielders being, to be very interesting, personally. Not least of all, because, you know, we also learn about Ventress that she used to be a Padawan. So she was a Jedi in training. And uh, I found that to be very exciting slash surprising. Yeah, right. I I mean, you find that to be very common among Sith, I would say. They do turn from the dark side, from the light side pretty often. I mean, relatively speaking. Um, But it is really cool to see her backstory in a very, I would say, compelling way. These in and out flashbacks as she's suffering at the brink of death. It's it's a very, you know, as your life flashes before your eyes moment for her and us. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, backstories can be very contrived, very expositionally, very unnecessary, but I thought this was done very well without dialogue or very minimal dialogue and just very nicely done. One other nice thing that I find about the first episode in this arc is I really like the ghost animation. I find mm-hmm. it a really nice, like... <clears throat> way to toe the line between being fully completely invisible and being you know obviously fully visible i mean the the fight itself i found uh quite well done at the end though you can see you can see that uh uh dooku is just too powerful with uh with the force lightning and all of that but in terms of the fight and the um the animation that was uh, really well done for the time. Yeah, no, I would say that this is like our first clue into that this second half of the season is going to be really nice for the fights. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool to see Dooku fight. We, ver- we barely see Dooku ever fight. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to see him in that way. And it's, 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 it's a really nice uh, moment there, I would say. Yeah, also because the, um, the momentum shifts, we, we, he is caught unaware. Yeah. He sl- he slowly starts to gain the upper hand. I had an observation about you know the contrast between the mother and Dooku, 
because Dooku basically told Ventress that, you know, she failed and so she must die. Whereas the mother at the end of this episode tells her, uh, sure, you failed in your attempt to assassinate Dooku, but that actually was really helpful because we gained information. And I thought that that was a really nice contrast. Yeah, it's it's a really nice difference between them. I think part of that, A, is the family familial aspect of it. Um, but B, they're clearly both using her in different ways. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, Dooku says that, but I actually don't really buy it. I think his, his care for Ventress was legitimate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. and he says that to me unconvincingly and trying to convince himself... F- and giving himself a reason for her to die. Mm. I yeah. that's how I see it. Um less so Pretty clear yeah. like masculinity tropes. Oh, of course. We move on to the next episode and we have some interesting stuff going on here. Most of the episode is just the selection process for finding this this assassin for Darth Sidious. Darth Tyrannus. Yeah, and I really I thought that the um relation part of it with I don't know what they are cousins or whatever that was pretty contrived but it in the end it's all the more powerful oh i found it great i mean the payoff was good yeah right exactly um, in the moment i was like okay what are they leading to with this and it's like oh they picked him and you think that's going to end it right and it's mm. not going to be not going to have anything interesting but when they wheel him out at the at the very end of the episode for so sorry for billy bob to strangle him and so i was thinking to myself holy crap this is a kids TV show. What are they doing? Yep. That's also a pretty gruesome death. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a very personal death because you can, I mean, he basically looks him in the eye while he strangles him. I just thought that on Billy Bob's part, that was a little unconvincing. Uh, like I would have liked the, the change to be like 10% more clear, you know? I mean, how was it? Co- wait, it was very clear. It was very clear, but in terms of his, uh, like his facial expressions and stuff like that, I, I felt his facial expressions were just completely neutral, right? And I kind of actually liked that in the sense that, like, he is just their puppet, and he has no emotion or no choice over his actions. And I felt it very convincing. If he would, if he had, if he had done it in anger, I feel like that wouldn't have been convincing to me at all oh, because okay. their goal isn't to make him angry at these people. It's to do what they command. And anger is a barrier to following orders in my mind. Yeah. I mean that, Oh, you sounded like, uh, like Tarkin there for a second. <laughs> God, I'd love Tarkin so much. <laughs> and I think what's interesting is that when he is juxtaposed, this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about. So in the next episode, he his anger is what is fueled by Dooku, right? Mm-hmm. And it is when he is angry, he is able to break free from Ventress's spell and no longer obey her. So you know what I mean? How yeah, 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 anger, yeah. and I think it's another thing is that like part of the whole Jedi code is to control your anger, right? Because anger leads to disobedience and leads to it unnecessary like risks and individuality in a way that it is, it it is a negative thing, right? And yeah. it, for the, for their purposes, it is a negative thing as well. Yeah, it's interesting. But it, when he shows up on the scene in the temple Oof, of yeah, Devron, or Temple of Edith, sorry, it's like, holy shit, this is the OP character we wanted. We want this guy. Exactly. Billy Bob is killing some, uh, is, is kicking some ass. Like it's nothing. It's great. Yeah. I, ha- I have a question about 
Billy Bob's training, though. Yes. Um, because was Billy Bob force sensitive from the beginning? Because we did, clearly didn't see that before. But if that's not the case, that means that you can learn that. No. Um, so all the species on Dathomir are at least a little bit force sensitive with the dark side uh. in particular. So they are they're genetically predisposed to be force sensitive. Mm-hmm. So this is part of their DNA, essentially. Um, this is why Maul uh, was so coveted as a Sith apprentice, and also why Savage Opress is sorry. This is why Billy Bob is also able to be so um, very very strong with the force, especially after he gets his force or his powers in general improved or dialed up to a hundred. Yeah. Um, but what I found interesting is that I actually think that Dooku is a good master for his goals and for the dark side in particular. He's like, he's actually teaching Savage how to do things. Mm-hmm. I, I did wonder though, how, how did, uh, what's, what's Dooku's story, you know, that makes me wonder how, uh, how uh, Sidious recruited him. And like, uh, how much training was there actually? Because he was a full-fledged Jedi at that point, right? Yeah, I think it's a different process. I think, for sure, because um, he's not building him from ground from 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 the ground up. But one thing, so I, I just have to say, there's like a couple things about Anakin that I love in this episode. I just, I just love his humor. It's so funny in this episode where he's just like Obi Wan's like. I told you not to start anything. He's like, I didn't start anything. Like, we're not. Do- I'm not doing anything. I promise. And she's like, tell that to them. And it's just a funny little like um, notes. And then when he's like walking away after he takes, you know, he takes the elder hostage, the village elder hostage. He just like he's walking out of the town, and the animation is so great. He has this like smug facial expression on his face, and he just like walks with a strut, like he's just such a badass. It's so funny. It's so endearing to see Anakin in this way. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, the only thing that was missing was a giant explosion. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in exactly. The <laughs> in the background. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, but there's one thing that I really hated in this episode in terms of writing. Anakin says, uh, "I tend to be popular with the ladies." Oh, that was terrible. Too popular. Yeah. And I just thought, oh my fucking god. I mean, but uh, obviously for a show that's still, you know, there is like a, has a female lead and a very empowering for that, at least, mm, you know, it's, yeah. it's it still has misogynistic tendencies that yep that are a great, through line through it. Great thing for a kids TV show. I thought that uh, Billy Bob actually developed some really great tactical thinking of uh, on his part later on uh, when he, for example, he, you know, he pushes the the ship yeah uh, onto the cliff yeah and uh, all that stuff that was really interesting and i was really impressed by his force powers later as well where he basically like force chokes both ventress and uh, and dooku yeah it's that incredible was, that was pretty wild yeah you think to yourself if this guy ever gets full control of his potential mm. he's a fucking nightmare um, but I was so sad to see the King of Zodaria die. I, I, I kind of liked it, though, that Billy Bob accidentally killed him and didn't notice and that yeah. Count Dooku yeah. had to point it out to him. <laughs> but uh, just one last note before we move on, I think. Um, that last battle sequence between the, the lightsaber battle between Ventress, 
Billy Bob and Dooku. I found f- great. I oh, I loved so it. Um, just Dooku is also just such on a different level than them mm-hmm. too. He's toying with them to a certain extent, right? And it's just the way that he holds back Billy Bob with the force lightning as he's fighting Ventress with his lightsaber is just incredible. And he breaks, he single-handedly breaks Billy Bob's will. He basically conditions him like Pavlovian style with the, with the force lightning. It's amazing to see. And I'm just like, it's, I, you know, there are so many episodes that, you know, they're combatants who fight against one another and then they all manage to escape with their lives and it's kind of contrived, but I find it very compelling in this way. Yeah. And those are three actually interesting characters as well. Exactly. Three dynamic characters with cool like stories and that I'm really excited to see where they go moving forward. And my favorite thing is that it'll be really cool. As I mentioned, you know, Ventress before this arc was, you know, semi-aligned to Dooku. She was, so she was for all intents and purposes on the, the separatist side, right? Mm. It'll be really cool to see separate, to see Asajj and Billy Bob go completely on their own directions and be essential free agents and just dark side wielders just roaming the galaxy. And that's really exciting to see for the potential for what's going to happen. And what did you think about the end of the episode? Yeah, I mean, that was quite the reveal, right? That Maul yeah. uh, is a lot. I mean, since we've seen uh, the solo movie, we know that he survived. But I didn't know that he was part of this narrative. So that's interesting. Yes. Let's try to get through the scene, the three episodes on Mortis right now. Um, so we have, it's three episodes, episode 15, 16, and 17, Overlords, Altar of Mortis, and the Ghosts of Mortis. So um, in response to an old Jedi signal that hadn't been used for 2,000 years, the Jedi Council sends Obi-Wan, Ahsoka, and um, Anakin to investigate what's going on. Um, they go, and there's nothing seemingly there until a m- mystical square sucks in their ship, and they get they land on a planet. That is very, 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 very strong with the Force. On that planet, you have three main characters. You have the daughter, the son, and the father. The daughter, who is the manifestation of the light side of the Force, and the son, who is the manifestation of the dark side of the Force, and the father, who is whose role is to find balance and control the two of them. The three actors question Anakin on his, you know, on him being the chosen one and eventually he is put to the test where ahsoka and obi-wan are held captive and it is up to anakin to control both the light side and the dark side to um prove that he is the chosen one lo and behold of course he is and then he is given the chance or he is given the opportunity by the father to take his place as the wielder of the balance of the force um to stay on mortis with them and instead, Anakin chooses to not do that and go and go away with Anakin, with Ahsoka and Obi-Wan. But, of course, they don't easily escape. On their way out, Ahsoka is captured by the sun and then infected with the dark side. The daughter, fearing, the life, uh, fearing for the life of her father, shows Obi-Wan the altar of Mortis, which has a sword that can kill the sun, essentially. And trusting Obi-Wan to kill the sun and protect the father. 
and they all get into a fight essentially <laughs> and as the son goes to kill the father he accidentally kills the sister <laughs> this sounds so ridiculous as i say it this is and all, you're doing this way more detailed than i thought you were gonna do i'm this. so sorry um and then with her dying breath she breathes life into ahsoka and she dies and ahsoka lives great now we're on episode 17 the ghost of mortis <laughs> Um, they're back at the cross ship. Ahsoka's working on it. Anakin goes and he ends up at the what's called, I think, the lair of the dark side or the well of the dark side. And um, along the way, he sees Qui-Gon in a vision. He is then given a vision of his future about what he will see. And I think we'll discuss that a little bit more yes. and what he will become. And then in response to not becoming what he will become, he decides to join the sun, which is kind of ironic. And um, all this leads to him confronting Obi-Wan and <clears throat> Obi-Wan, essentially. I don't think he directly confronts Ahsoka until he's already turned back. But the father turn erases that memory from Anakin's mind. And Anakin then turns back to his normal self. And then all of them, the whole bunch, confront the son. And the father kills himself, depleting the son of his powers. And then the and then anakin stabs them in the back with a lightsaber killing the son and the father yep it doesn't make much sense but um we'll talk about it in the end can we uh just talk about the visions maybe there's a few things i want to talk about okay cool yeah um so there's a there's a quite a few of the visions that i do want to discuss in episode 15 and there's three visions there's the qui-gon vision by obi-wan there is ahsoka's future vision by ahsoka and there is Anakin's vision of his mother. Yeah, and these Shmi, three are... Another Shmi. great Star Wars name. Oh, just killing it. Killing it, George but Lucas. Before that, we see uh, Ahsoka's two lightsabers. That's probably the only thing of note. Yeah, the first time you see them wielding it. She exactly. has. She was wearing it in the previous uh, episodes, but this is the first time we see her wielding it, and it is beautiful. Not going to lie. So... Um, we have a few interesting stuff. So Qui-Gon is asking Obi-Wan, did you do what I asked, essentially? And mm-hmm. what does it mean for Anakin to be the chosen one in Qui-Gon's mind? We get that a little bit here, right? And mm-hmm. it's a very interesting delve into the mindset of Qui-Gon and also his relationship, obviously, with Obi-Wan. I love Qui-Gon. He's great. He's amazing. And it's great to see him a couple times here in these sequence of episodes, to be honest. Um, and you can just see how Qui-Gon has a bigger understanding of the Force in general, beyond the Sith and beyond the Jedi. He talks about how he will find balance like, with within the anger, essentially. Right, It is through the anger that he will eventually find balance, and he will then bring balance to the Force. And I think that that's a very interesting key for anakin's destiny that it is not without anger it is with anger he then eventually overcomes and finds balance right and i think that speaks to a larger lesson for star wars that we can take home to our own lives right that you know the idea that we're taught as a child to swallow our anger and not express it is not always feasible and it is not something that we should really act upon but it is in managing that anger and dealing with it and overcoming it that we can try truly find balance right this is that, this this is getting very inside out 
yes, it really is. It's getting everything. Everything is connected here, right? And it is through this message we see another manifestation of that message of what does it mean to be the chosen one? What does it mean to be successful, right? And in Qui-Gon's mind, because Qui-Gon is essentially, in my mind, the avatar for the larger understanding of what everything is supposed to be, right? And it is this, this is how we see it. It's just a fascinating way to um, place Anakin within the larger lessons and larger lore of Star Wars. Now I will go to the next vision, and this is the Shmi vision that Anakin has. It's kind of heartfelt in a way. It's it, this is, I think, I mean, this these three episodes all have really bad dialogue, um, for sure. Um, it is interesting to see how he obviously holds that regret for what he did to his mother simultaneous, mm. or so he failed his mother simultaneous with the regret what he did right afterwards, right? And he, his guilt is such a strong um, driver of his personality that we don't ever get really delved into in the movies. But here we have Shmi obviously talking to him, saying that your guilt does not define you. You define your guilt. And that is a great message for Anakin to really take home that he never really learns. And it, in, it is in his failure to learn that singular lesson that leads him towards the dark side. It is an incredible kind of foreshadow for Anakin's journey, obviously. And we have even more overt foreshadowing moving forward, clearly. But everything tracks back to his guilt for leaving his mother in the first place, failing to save her, what he did in the response of his failure. And those are the things that are really the seeds of the dark side that really burn and grow within Anakin. And it is all about the guilt that he has. So it's, it's an interesting, I think, you know, execution aside, <laughs> it is a really interesting vision, I will say, for delving into Anakin's psyche that we just do not get in any other content across the Star Wars universe. I did. I was a little bit confused, though, about the visions. Maybe you can clear that up for me. Because it seemed to me like the Shmi one was basically sent to him by the sun. And and so I was just thinking, so what's with the other two? Yeah, I think the Qui-Gon is clearly Qui-Gon, right? Mm-hmm. The, it is the daughter who goes to Ahsoka. Yeah. And the son who goes to Anakin. Yes. Okay, right? good. So we're and on the same page. Cool, yes. Cool. And this juxtaposition is also extremely fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Because Ahsoka is everything that is good with the light side of the force, essentially. Yeah. And this is Ahsoka's future self coming to her, right? And warning her, essentially, the seeds of the dark side have been planted by your master. Yeah, that's the one quote that I also wrote down. It's so powerful. Yeah, and it's so true. And mm-hmm. she loves us. She loves Anakin, and Anakin loves her in such a deep way that it is impossible for her to really understand that, but it is important for us to see it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I wonder, like, what do you think is the message of that? like moving forward for Ahsoka. Hopefully she takes it to heart and is maybe a little bit, not wary, but more attentive to what Anakin tells her. I mean, we have a very heartfelt thing at the end of the season 
about Anakin's teachings. But um, yeah, I want. I wonder how her rela- if this is going to uh, influence her relationship with Anakin. I would be really interested to see that. We'll see. I mean, what what I would really like is if she remembers this in like a vision or like dream when she's sleeping or something at some point and then that kind of comes back to her and then she sees something that she hasn't seen before that'd be really interesting no i think there's a lot of interesting seedlings that could potentially come to fruition at some point yeah i thought that that was a really interesting uh thought here voiced by the sun that he wants to transcend the sith and the jedi you know obviously you immediately think of kylo ren exactly that's what i thought too a lot of this is about episode eight too about being the force outside of the the rigid um structure of the jedi and the sith yeah absolutely and i liked as well at the very end of the episode where you get like a brief bit where you can see uh where you can hear traces of the imperial march yes that was just a really nice way of uh, foreshadowing I mean, you see that, you hear that a lot through these episodes. My last thing about this episode before we move on is that I think the, like the test that Anakin is put through, that little um, sequence is, I think, beautiful. Yes. I think it's gorgeous. Like the colors, the design, the way this, the camera pans underneath Anakin as he looks and and his anger is like, and he says literally on your knees. And I'm just, I like, holy fuck, that's amazing it's so powerful right yeah but you can you can see his shortcomings here as well he is impatient he is angry it kind of has everything in it right mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just a really perfect sequence i would say there as ahsoka is basically dying he's uh, anakin says you know there's always hope and i thought that, that was just a really nice touch something that you don't really get these moments with anakin that much i feel like yeah yeah um and so i really appreciate it here but unfortunately i didn't like anything that happened in between those two moments no this episode was crap it was so derivative it was like there was you know the the sun's tower looked like baradur the sword was very reminiscent of excalibur the whole um dispute that obi-wan and anakin have about what's like how to go forward and anakin of course just storms off into the tower and obi-wan who had just pointed out to him that they want to divide is like no i'm just going to stay here and uh wait for the father it's like <laughs> you are splitting the party my friend it's not good look and also like the fighting is so boring i mean it is cool to see ahsoka fight anakin and obi-wan that little sequence is yeah, kind of cool nice. the visually at least yeah something that i liked as well that i just remembered is the the thoughts that Ahsoka voices as she is under the influence of the sun, which are basically doubts of hers about Anakin and their relationship. And, you know, you can't help but wonder whether those things have been inside her. Like she, she had been thinking about those things all along. She must have. These are things that this is the manifestation of, the fears that are within us that's all that the dark side is we all have fears and worries and doubts and it is about your ability to live with them or do they let them control you right and in this moment this is how the sun controls ahsoka by letting these things control her or making these things control her 
So 100% she believes these. Um, I want to go back to your note on always hope. There's always hope. Mm-hmm. How much more powerful a message would that have line have been in episode three, for example, him just pleading to the Jedi that there is always hope for, for Padme's survival and they, they don't offer it to him, but Palpatine does. That would have been amazing. Uh, just like his desperation to, to save the people he loves is such a core part of Anakin and searching for that hope in any corner that he can get. And it's just, it's such a great line in, in depiction of his character and his depth and why he is susceptible to turn in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really love the fact that it is the light side of the force that lives within Ahsoka. Like in the end, that's like that's the life force that Ahsoka carries throughout her life moving forward. Mm-hmm. It is it is literally the manifestation of the light side is what lives within Ahsoka. Like Ahsoka is the light side of the force. It is amazing. <laughs> and now every time you look at Ahsoka, you know that. And you see, you think to yourself, oh my God, beyond Jedi, beyond Sith, beyond anything, Ahsoka is the light side. And I love the hug between Ahsoka and Anakin afterwards. It's just so touching. It's just, it's heart wrenching in in the best of ways. Yeah. So I guess it wasn't the best thing about the prequels is that they gave us Clone Wars. Yes. 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 So, um, and the best thing about the Clone Wars is they gave us Ahsoka. Uh, No, an Anakin. (laughs) I would say a different Anakin is also really good. And I would say in in these movies. In these episodes, sorry. So, um, now we move on to the Ghost of Mortis. <laughs> we have Qui-Gon coming up back again, which I like. He's he's telling Anakin that he has to face his demons, um, which is a really interesting thing. And he has to trust his instincts and find another way, essentially telling him to connect with the dark side. It is an interesting message by Qui-Gon. And it just shows his wisdom. One of the interesting um, things that the son... Sorry, I was going to move on to the son now. The son says to um, Anakin before he shows him the visions is he tells tells him to know yourself, right? It's clearly just like a Bible, a biblical thing. Know thyself, right? Yeah. And know what you will become. And that sequence, I think, is very powerful after. I love the montage of Mm -hmm. like the killing of the children and choking Padme and all these things, the manifestation of it. Um, I thought, and the music was so great. And obviously the Darth Vader helmet at the very end is just a nice foreshadowing, but I don't know what you thought. The visuals, the way it was presented was so good. Um, and not everything at once. It didn't feel like they like heard through, but they took kind of took their time in a sense. Like they didn't just, it wasn't just flashes. It was like five seconds of each horrible thing that happens. And um Especially that final shot with the, with uh, with the mask of Darth Vader looming over Anakin, that was really strong. It's really unforgettable in a way. Yeah. And this is why I had to show you this episode or these episodes. Yeah. And one of the things that this whole saga brings me to question is the question of destiny and free mm. will. Right. This is a question that has plagued you know philosophers and theologians for centuries. Right. But. You know, the Star Wars version of this is that the two work in tandem, right? Yeah. That we have a destiny, but nothing is set in stone, right? And that we still have a choice to make about who we become, hmm. despite our destiny. 
And it's a fascinating duality that, you know, one, from a logical perspective, one would think that those two are incongruous with one another. But when we look at it in this context, and so many things in our lives are essentially, you know, juxtapositions or oxymoronic in a way. And I find this depiction of destiny and free will so fascinating and something that we can really take after when we think about what this means for a larger universe. When we think about our own lives and our own destinies and how we choose what we do and who we become. Should I drop the mic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mic drop. And one last thing before I move on. I don't know if you have anything else to say about Mortis, but at the end is that the the father tells him to beware of your heart. Yes. And how good of a foreshadow is that? Not only for Anakin, God, and I keep saying this, but also for us. How many times do we have to tell ourselves, like, beware of what we're feeling, beware of our hearts, beware of, you know, the things that make us, you know, feel the most joy, but also the most pain and sorrow. And it is something that we all have to take into consideration as we move forward. And these are the lessons that are built within Star Wars and built within Anakin's journey. I disagree on the greater light. Like, okay, that's the, fine. The the more general part, because <laughs> isn't that what makes life worth living? Oh, that's a good point. I mean, that is a good point, but I would also say, potentially, you know, we have to embrace our heart, our hearts, of exactly, course, and yeah. that's part of who we are. Um, but we also should be wary of how we live with those feelings right because if we Mm -hmm. follow our hearts without yeah without like reining it in a little bit with exactly sometimes yeah without a mind towards the consequences or the of our actions right um we will then be 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 subject to more heart pain essentially yeah right um it's an interesting balance to take for sure but that that also goes to one of the big crimes of the prequels is that they basically vilified love. That's a good point. Yeah. But I think that be being aware of your heart, your heart and love are two different things. Yeah. Because exactly. love in the way that it is depicted is not coming always from the heart, right? No, because it, you can take Anakin as an example. Uh, you know, his in the stupid story the prequels tell um padme is uh you know he worries about padme and so she he does whatever is he thinks is necessary to save her in the best possible way and that's what his heart tells him although although that has obviously major consequences for everyone and i would argue that that is his him following his heart but not following love yep absolutely because love is not what we do in our hearts love is about you know the connection with another human or another person being sorry i don't want to be speciest yeah if he uh, if he followed his love he wouldn't have forced choked padme clearly yeah so i I still think you know this is a really nice foreshadow for anakin and it's just a very powerful message to to close a less than stellar series of episodes yeah they i just didn't care about most of this especially at the end where 
the uh, the father kills himself and then suddenly the son cares and there was yeah. good in him all along and the music is trying to manipulate us into caring but we don't care because there was nothing in the first in those three episodes that made made us care so why do, would we start now and yeah i'm just glad this is over now and we can move on yeah what i will say is that the the value of this these episodes are not in how these three overlords interact with one another but it's how they interact with our main characters and in that we find morsels of really nice lessons and really deep character dives and character development as well so yeah that's why they're worth watching yes so should we move on to possibly the best arc of episodes we've seen yet I don't know. We can discuss that later. That's a bold statement a bold to make, statement Rashad. To start out. Sorry, I'm like leading off with my bold ideas. Um, so we have our three episode arc on the Citadel. So Master, God, Evan Peel, just another great name. It's a better one. It's a better, <laughs> yeah. better than uh, Billy Bob. But like Evan, are you kidding me? Of all things, you're going to name a Jedi Knight Evan? Brad. Be- God. <laughs> so. Um, <clears throat> Master Evan Peel uh, is captured with vital information about hyperspace lanes that lead into the heart of Coruscant and the Separatist worlds, and he is taken prisoner in- ab- aboard the incredible fortress called the Citadel. Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Ahsoka, and a team of clones, of course, go to rescue him to get the information. They get in, but it turns out they have to also save Captain Tarkin, who has the other half of the information. And getting in was the easy part. Now they have to escape. In the next episode, they begin their escape, and they split up into two camps, all meeting at different rendezvous points for R2-D2 to pick them up. Of course, the plan doesn't go according to plan, and Obi-Wan is captured and then again has to be rescued by R2. R2 is clearly just the MVP of the Clone Wars and all of Star Wars. Of Star Wars, yeah. Yeah. And they they all make their way to the landing platform, and then are boxed in by a bunch of droids and their shuttle. Their only way of escape is destroyed by a droid turret and killing echo in the process that, that killed me like RIP echo. Like mm. It's really cool to see his journey from the beginning of the season as a cadet to now getting killed in the midst of battle. It's a nice, you know, you know, depiction of death in a, in a very emotional way, I would say. I uh, hate to do this. You're going to disagree? Yeah, I'm going to disagree. Because they don't really take time to mourn him. But later on, they take time, at, le- at least a little time to mourn Evan Peel. They take a long time to mourn Evan Peel. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah, like, well, sure. I mean, of course, you know, there are different... Um, they are in a different situation. But I just thought, you know, we, you have that really strong emotional outpouring of his uh comrade <laughs> his fellow clone yeah i think um, that's fives yeah and um and obi-wan is just like no we have to we have to move on or like we have to you know we have to get going uh and but later no but let's take a time let's let's take a minute to to properly mourn this jedi and it's like that's almost like classism i mean that's kind of what it is though that's kind of realistic to this scenario yeah, it is, it is I mean. the clone who has the emotion right and that's really how we should just see it like it would be completely unrealistic for the jedi to stop 
in the in the face of the death of the clone, right? But it is through the clone, his fellow comrade, who we have this emotional outburst, right? So I, that makes total sense. Yeah, but I think it just it's just unfair kind of on part of the Jedi to take the time to mourn one of them when they don't allow the clones to mourn uh, the death of one of theirs. But that is the reality of the situation on the in the universe, right? And to do anything yeah. different would not be testament to like, I, uh, you know, the only thing that I say that the clone, the episode could have done better with regards to that is have a moment on the sideline where fives and Rex or Cody are, you know, mourning Echo's death by mm. themselves, right? In the sideline, all into the sideline. Other yeah. than anything else or anything more that would be unrealistic to the the Jedi structural, the structure of the army, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. It's just, I guess, I just, yeah, it's just unfair. But of course, also, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a true depiction to the to life. But yeah, life isn't always fair. So exactly, and it's also I would say also realistic to regular war as well. Yeah, in terms sure. of like the foot soldier is never mourned by the generals, but fellow generals are. Yeah, right, and 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 lauded in that way, but that's because people only care about their friends and no one else. Um, but for me as a viewer, this hurt because mm-hmm. I liked Echo, and it's it's you know it's sad to see because I I appreciate the clones right. And we as viewers can provide agency to the clones that the Jedi themselves don't give. We can be better than the Jedi. Yeah, and we are in so many ways. Damn straight. So and in the last episode, episode 20, uh, the Citadel Rescue, uh, it is Plo Koon who leads a mission to rescue our survivors on the Citadel from the Citadel. And their job is to get to a small island where a gunship can fit and pick them up. Of course, craziness ensues. And as you mentioned, Master Peel is killed. And they give him a little bit of a funeral. And um, he, before he dies, though, he gives Ahsoka the information that is needed, or at least his half of the information. And when they are rescued and get back to Coruscant, Ahsoka goes to brief the Jedi Council, and Tarkin goes to brief the Chancellor. What does this mean for the future split of the Jedi and Chancellor Palpatine? I guess we'll find out. Yeah, I like, I like the squabble between Anakin and Ahsoka in the beginning of episode 18 where and then and Ahsoka like bitches about Anakin to Plo Kuth, uh to Plo Koon. We have the carbonite we have our first is this the first time we see carbonite like somebody voluntary voluntarily going into carbonite? Uh voluntarily, yes, I think. Yeah. And I really really like the reference to I don't want to become a wall decoration. Yeah. That's so I funny. Like that. That was so good. But also when they then get unfrozen and, and then uh, Ahsoka and Anakin, yeah, yeah, how's it going? And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> that was so funny. Um, I I just have to ask this now because I don't know. I mean, you don't answer it because it would spoil things, but I just want to say that I think there should should be, we should see some repercussions for Ahsoka's disobedience, not in the situation of like something goes wrong because she doesn't do what she's told, but just with <clears throat> within the structure of the Jedi Order and her training. I think there should they should show uh something that is just a punishment for her. Yeah. That's just me. I see, I see. So you want to see her punished? 
Yeah, I want, I want, I want, I want there to be consequences for disobedience because I. Fair I'm, enough. Oh my god, this sounds so fascistic. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think that one of the things that's interesting is, it, in the structure of the Jedi, the the master has so much authority. Yeah. So because it's Anakin who's teaching her, if Anakin doesn't then present this as like a problem, then the Jedi Council doesn't have a recourse to then. Um, discipline her no so, sometimes maybe a master doesn't want to admit that they can't control their padawan yeah, yeah yeah so they get to the citadel which is as you mentioned a beautiful planet oh my god it's so visually stunning who would have thought purple and gold go so well together so i mean they are they are opposites on the color spy on the color wheel i mean so yeah that, that makes sense that always works um I, w- I want to shout. I want to give a quick shout out to the reprogrammed droids. I they're really so great. Them. I love them so much, and they're heart. They're like so heartfelt. Just, but again, the way they are destroyed at the end. Uh, I know. I'm. This is like later, but <clears throat> you know, they they tell they tell R two. You know, it was an honor to serve under you, sir, and then just immediately get destroyed. I love and, how like we're going to give you as much time as we can. It's like two seconds. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. But again, because it's droids, you would be like, you know, there's this kind of heartfelt moment, which is weird to say because it's from droid to droid. But yeah, and then there's, yeah, and then they kill or they, then they're destroyed. And that's that's that, which is funny, but it's also like, uh, again. Mm. Anyway, I'm sorry. That's fine. I mean, hey, you have the, this is a running problem. If you have a problem with this, you'll have a problem with every all of Star Wars. Yeah. Like this is just like a thing in Star Wars. This is war, right? People die and we're not supposed to think about it too much. Yeah, that's true, but I I don't know, in terms of the droids, I I've never thought about it in the movies, but here in the in Clone Wars, well, we don't get much of them in the movies. We get literally the first, like the Battle of Geonosis, and then a little bit at the beginning of Episode Three. We don't get. I much. mean, we also get them on Naboo, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, also on Naboo. God. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't even think about it. Yeah. So the the planet is amazing. The planet's amazing. Um, I think the also when they get out of the Citadel, just the lava and the the way the the arc not the architecture but the the rock formations and the structure of the greater citadel um area is just so beautiful and so well done illuminated in this golden shine oh, it's so it's so nice um i also like that they wouldn't have gotten into uh the citadel without Ahsoka because ah, only yeah. she can fit into the ventilation chamber um yeah, I okay. This is weird. This is going to be a weird Chris tangent again. Get ready. Do it. So there are these like special droids, right? Yes. That uh, that magnetized cool. and like flip around and whatever. Yes. Have you ever have you ever read Art Spiegelman's graphic novel Mouse? No. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a really uh, impactful graphic novel about the Holocaust. And those droids, they look kind of like Spiegelman drew the mice, like the faces. Oh, interesting. Maybe that's just me, but nope, I totally I thought about that. anthropomorphized that. Uh-oh. No, I didn't. But I just thought, my only note was that these kind of these guys are kind of cool. 
They're yeah. like a little strong, like a little bit, a little bit, a little extra oomph than a regular droid. Yeah, I I like all the droids. I like all the all the spaceships. Looks pretty cool. Can we um can we address the elephant in the room, please? Captain Tarkin. O M G. Is what I wrote down in my notes. I was I was like I, so I think excited. I I literally exclaimed, "What the fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" It's um, amazing, right? Yeah, I want, I I want to hear all your thoughts. Coming. Uh, I love as oh, oh, I I can't even. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, I mean the first time I saw him, I was like, oh holy shit, you know, because especially they play him up in in the sense that he is important because he knows the other half of that code. Um, and then the way he is portrayed is just really, you know, he's like a play by the rules, follow the plan kind of guy, but he's also he complains a lot and. Um, and he's like an insufferable know-it-all and oh later on and but of course the most interesting thing is whenever he talks to anakin and you can see just like this is like foreshadowing galore yes Uh, and uh, i i loved every second of it Uh, i think i think uh, tarkin's personality can best be summarized by the exchange he has with ahsoka about um how you know uh oh i i needn't worry about my career i have fallen in a favor with the emp with the chancellor yes <laughs> and then it was like oh yeah i see i see that you're like that kind of guy i have to say i don't know that can, that that is obviously obviously like a huge not retcon i guess but just addition you know, adi- yeah i mean i don't like him I feel like now I like Tarkin less. Really? Yeah. I like him so much more. Really? I love, I mean, just like my personal liking, I don't think about, I never really liked Tarkin to start with, but like, I like him. I loved him as a character, right? And I like, I like the, the, like, you know, delving into his history more. And I like that character development for him. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess so. But, and of course he's, he's yeah. What makes you say that then? Like, why don't you like him as much? Is it that you just personally don't like him or that you don't don't think the character development is justified or good? I feel I feel like he because we see him as a general in the, in the movies or in the movie. Um he is like at the height of his power and he seems so confident and kind of he is he is just very aloof. And he does. Oh, really? I think that he exudes confidence here in these episodes. I think he is like, he. this is a showing that it is all about his personality and who he is that sets up the great Grand Moff Tarkin that we know. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I read it more as the sort of cockiness. I mean, um, it is cocky and. Yeah. I mean, th- those are kind of the same thing, but yeah. Yeah. Because of all the things that I mentioned earlier is like that just. That those are just really annoying character traits. So he's like talking way more than he should is basically what it boils down to. I think like all the stuff he like most, if he's not just talking about uh, to Anakin, all the other stuff he says, he should have just been quiet. But I think that he, he asks very poignant questions though. 
about what is the plan, what is going on here. He questions the fact that he's led by a child, which is actually a yeah. very good point, a point you had at the very beginning as well. Like, yeah, absolutely. He questions the methods of the Jedi and he talks about these things. It's just, I think every question that he has is very poignant. Obviously, it's like superfluous because he is, he talks so much, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that it's not empty talk. And I think that it just shows his tactical genius and his, mm. and his, the aura that he can exude as a leader. Right. And it show, goes to show that Anakin is immediately smitten and really like appreciates and um, respects Tarkin. Absolutely. But A, the, the way he says all these things is just really uh, confrontational. But I mean, isn't that his character though? Like, that's what I would like. I mean, I was just going to say that that is kind of what aloof can be. Yeah. I mean, a mark of a leader within a fascist imperial structure is going to be somebody who is in your face and is a strong man, right? So it, it really distracts so much for me. Yeah, I, I guess the only thing that I didn't like is that he just complains a lot. <laughs> it's just, it's like he's like borderline whiny even. Uh, and I just don't like that. Um, I I kind of like that. You can see he is... A little bit inept in uh, when it comes to uh, battle skills. Yeah, uh, I kind of like that, which always goes to show you know the there is a difference between officers and soldiers. Yes. With all with all that being said, I just love this that he was here, and I love that he gets along with Anakin and doesn't get along with Obi Wan so poignantly. Yeah. It's really well done, yeah. and, and I, I I also love. Ahsoka's reaction to him, like the eye roll, and yeah. the, like, ugh. And what's interesting is that Ahsoka does something good, and then Tarkin compliments her. It's very funny. The camera pans to Anakin, and Anakin has a look of pride on him. Be like, oh my god, Ahsoka was complimented by this guy. Like, I feel so pride, so prideful in Ahsoka. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like the the layers that are happening between the different characters that they're mixing in these episodes is so deep and so interesting to me. And mm -hmm. then, obviously, at the very end, Tarkin congratulates Anakin and shakes his hand, and then just walks coldly by Obi Wan as he yeah. goes towards the, the the Chancellor. Essentially, it's just such a good sequence with uh, with Tarkin throughout all these episodes. Yeah, I, li I like the uh, the conflict at the end as well. Like, yeah, I I I am only going to tell my half to the Chancellor yes. and Ahsoka is like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm only going to talk to the Jedi Council. So, yeah. Um, which, I, which I must assume is also like the way she says it is like, because she doesn't like him. Yeah, of course. I don't think it's born out of anything else. And I think it's also like a promise that she gave to Mr. Peel, Mr. Peel, Master Peel. I think the choreography of the fighting is beautiful in a lot of these episodes and specifically related to Anakin and the smoothness which with which he fights is incredible the fact that he just like dodges things so easily flips around is just confident with his lightsaber and it is just a really great choreography um, and just, I guess it's also visually appealing because you have the yellow and the purple and there's just gorgeous colors. And then obviously, you know, 
the blue lightsaber. It's just a really, really nice thing. And obviously this goes not only to Anakin, like Ahsoka looks so gorgeous in this like fighting, not in that way, but like the way that she's fighting is like so beautifully drawn and designed. I actually uh, really liked the fight with uh, Evan Peel and Ahsoka versus the droids where Peel dies at the end. Yeah, yeah. Because... For so I think I I can't explain why, but the, just the fact that they're roughly the same height, I liked. Oh, interesting. Because we we yeah. rarely get to see two people who are not um not the height that we're used to. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a gorgeous. I I really really like these um these episodes. I think they connect so much with the the Tarkin. Obviously, is amazing. The like the the characters like interacting between the levels of obi-wan anakin ahsoka um tarkin all interacting with one another mm-hmm. is just a fascinating connection of of characters and i love it when characters from disparate backgrounds all come to interact in very diverse ways that make you know the discussion so much more enlightening and interesting so that's just this really and that is all set within a backdrop that is so beautiful and visually striking that mm. it's just it's just so gorgeous in my mind. And where the situation is also crucial. Yeah, 100%. Oh, and it's also like, I don't know if you know this, that these, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but <clears throat> these, these routes, these hyperspace routes are key to Palpatine's plan, right? because like what happens at the beginning of episode three grievous got through the defenses and is attacking coruscant directly this is only possible because of what he gets in these episodes oh interesting yeah Yeah. nice i didn't that's what these episodes are directly connected to like star wars episode three nice i like that cool i didn't catch that but um um actually two things two very small things that i wanted to point out um we have another addition to the wide variety of accents master peel is a uh, vaguely eastern european oh yeah um <laughs> and we i don't i'm not sure whether we've heard it before but in episode 20 we heard a uh, uh, wilhelm scream during the during the space battle and uh yeah, yeah. I just i noticed it and i just love that <laughs> I know so, sometimes, sometimes I I'm annoyed by uh, you know the Wilhelm scream and that it just it's just fucking everywhere. I I really liked it here, maybe because I didn't expect it. We have two episodes, um, here left. Uh, episode twenty one, Padawan Lost, and episode twenty two, Wookie Hunt, and so it all starts on a raid of a separatist outpost on Felucia, and a in which Ahsoka is captured by a Trandoshan hunter and is taken to a remote planet to be used as game in their little hunting games. She finds a collection of other former Jedi youngling and essentially immediately starts leading them in an effort to try and rebel and get and break free. In the process, Ahsoka kills the Trandoshan leader's son and Khalifa, one of the other younglings, is uh, killed. In the next episode... In their attempt to attack the new shipment, the large ship who's transporting all the new prisoners, they release our favorite Wookiee, Chewie, who um, works to help them escape. He builds a transmitter. 
I love it. Thank you. Chewie builds a transmitter to send a message to Kashyyyk, and they all attempt to board a shuttle to attack the main Trandoshan ship. When things are at their worst, when it looks like all hope is lost, the Wookiees show up to the rescue, and the day is saved. Ahsoka ends up making it back to Anakin, and that makes for a very touching reunion. So we start out on Felucia, and I, I, I'm probably repeating myself, but I love Felucia. It's beautiful, right? Every time so we go back. Gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, like every time I'm like, yes, it's Felucia. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Plo Koon was uh, using his abilities to jump very, very high. And uh, then I, for a second, I thought, so I, uh, the, what are the uh, uh, the clones going to do? Are they just looking at each other like, what do should we do? But no, they have. <laughs> we get, we finally get to see some jetpack action here. Yeah. Um. I think it's a little weird that they didn't notice the Trandoshan. Yeah, right. Um, like they are sneaking around. They must be. They need to be really cautious. And then there's just a, this regular hunter who just gets Ahsoka. Um, obviously, hunting people for uh, capturing people to hunt them for sport. It's pretty awful. But the premise of this, I, I like the uh, the setting that it provides us for these two episodes. Yeah. It's a great idea. You know, what does Ahsoka do when she's all out on her own, stuck in like a really terrible situation? Like, how does she apply the leadership or the skills that she's learned from her master, essentially? Yeah. And we see again that how, how much the, uh, the Jedi and the Padawan seem to rely on their lightsabers. And they are pretty lost when they don't have them yeah really they need to really improvise and um yeah if if ahsoka didn't have her force powers she would have been killed very easily yeah and i think also ahsoka is a particularly strong padawan too yeah that's clear as well yeah and uh, here i am talking uh, about episodes again in which people in which uh teenagers exist yeah and uh, I get that they, you know, they are clearly the opposite of of Ahsoka here. They are meant to be this great contrast. What do you mean by that? Sorry, can you explain a little bit? Like, yeah, they're so dejected, and they have they have like, oh no, we just need to survive. We can't do anything about the situation. We just need to survive because our spirit is broken from um you know past experiences and the was like no we have to do something about this um and they i don't know they do that throughout more or less even when they later claim like yeah we you have you have made us believe in ourselves again they're still like no let's play it safe yeah well and then but the contrast to that is that in the next episode they're the ones who are like we should attack the ship head on so i, I think they grow within that story so they kind of gain their confidence back over the time after being you know beaten to death yeah but that happens really late well i mean that's should i mean i would argue that that is the climactic journey of their character arc right so that kind of has to happen at the end yeah happens a little little quick for my taste but that's okay (laughs) um uh, but also a more fundamental criticism is that they don't sound young so wh- whoever they cast, yeah, that's a good criticism for sure. Young, it's just. I mean, Ahsoka sounds great, but that's Ahsoka. yeah, yeah. Of course, Ahsoka. Yeah, how dare you criticize Ahsoka? 
I didn't. No, no, no. She was not included in this. Okay, good. obviously, obviously. Um, I really liked Plo Koon's um assessment of Anakin. That he says so your emotions good. cloud your judgment. Is so true. It's this the the truest sentence about Anakin ever. Yes, and it's just like it's a very similar sentiment to the prequels, but just so much better. <laughs> just yeah, so much exactly. Better. And let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you think any character in Clone Wars or maybe Star Wars has a better batting average than Plo Koon? Every scene he's in is so good. Like every line he has is amazing. I love him so much. Yeah, I liked to uh, I liked seeing Ahsoka in the leadership role here. So they, I'm going to say one positive thing about um I think it's Khalifa who says to her, "You will learn if you listen." Yeah, that that was just like ooh, that cuts deep. Yeah, it really does. The one thing that I really like about when Ahsoka is talking to them, and where her her heart and her strength comes from, she her mind immediately goes to her master. Yes, and she's talking about my master said this, my master done this. Like it is how like sweet is that? Is that like whenever she's in trouble, she immediately thinks about Anakin. It is adorable. Yeah, and the other younglings try to uh dissuade her from that very early on where they where they tell her oh like nobody ever came to rescue us so don't even bother to hope yeah Uh, but she's still she's like okay maybe he's not going to save me but he will save me through the his teachings exactly it's amazing so shall we talk talk about chewy yes please first of all chewy as we know and love him how is he Chewie everywhere? <laughs> like Chewie's just yeah, everywhere. he just gets into tr- all kinds of trouble. I would love to see a Chewbacca movie. Honestly, I want a Chewbacca series. Just Chewbacca for ten yeah, seasons. Yeah, and that would be really interesting. Like, do they if they didn't uh, sub him, for example? Yeah, and and then you just have like these and in- like you know just inflections and stuff like that. That would be really great. I would love to see that because you can always do that because it's not like you know somebody is aging yeah so like <laughs> you can you could just do that whenever um yeah also that in th- that uh, it is like a bunch of wookies who are like deus ex machina like uh saving them it's like that's fine i don't care they're they're wookies and it's amazing yeah it's fine oddly with the same bounty hunters from the seven samurai the, episode yeah 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 yeah, I mean Chewie was exactly what they needed that you could you could see that in the previous episode where they they were managing okay but they really lacked in physical strength and that is definitely if Chewie provides one <laughs> thing ex, uh, next to charisma it's strength. Oh, amen. I love Chewie so much. Yeah. The the best scene was uh, when uh, one of the younglings is trying to pull a Jedi mind trick on the <laughs> trend ocean and it doesn't work at first. And so just Chewie bonks him on the head and then it works. <laughs> it's yeah, really funny. Great. Yeah. Then, of course, at the end, we see the re- reunion of Anakin and Ahsoka and their attachment is just so great. Uh, and it's so sweet when. Ahsoka says that she could only survive and lead others yeah. because of his training. And that yeah. was just really nice. And they, I, f- I felt like they had this moment where like, okay, we can't embrace because yeah. this is not how this works. Yeah. But they would have both liked to. It's amazing. And it's just like, 
you know, we are all, you know, for better or for worse, a product of the people who teach us, the people who guide us, the, you know, our parents, our teachers, the, our, you know, our um, superiors throughout life, right? And it is so amazing to see Ahsoka verbally express to Anakin her appreciation and understanding of all that she is and all that she will be is because of Anakin. Mm-hmm. And we have to, you know, everything that'll happen moving forward with her character arc, everything that we will see in this show, in Rebels, in Bad Batch, in whatever, in in The Mandalorian, in the Ahsoka show, all ties back to Anakin's stewardship. And that is an amazing arc. You just spoiled something for me. I, I know, I'm so this. sorry. Oh I'm my God. so sorry. Oh my God. I know, Why I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay. But she's in Rebels, okay. I guess, I guess so. I mean, it, I'm ex- I'm all for more Ahsoka content, but oh, uh, okay, cool. Uh, I'm so sorry. I thought you knew. I thought you knew nope. like Clone Wars. I'm so sorry. I, I literally know nothing about this show. This is the first thing about Rebels that I know. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so <sighs> sorry. I didn't know. That's not like a spoiler. <laughs> like I thought that's just common knowledge. Just don't say anything. Anyway, I didn't mean to. I'm just getting no. swept up in the moment. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's okay you got carried away by your excitement about ahsoka i can forgive that okay i'm sorry <laughs> you feel worse about this than i do it's, i feel so terrible um <laughs> okay that's not much of a spoiler though no let's be honest like no yeah you, so you know nothing about rebels you don't know when it's set i, n- I, d- you don't, know I don't know anything no zero okay it's not a show about her. That's also say. a spoiler. Is that a spoiler? Okay. God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everything's a freaking spoiler with you. Um, yeah. But I, I guess this one is good because now you're... Otherwise, it wouldn't have. I would have expected it to be about Ahsoka. Not at all. Yeah. So so now I know. And now... Because now I would have been hyped to see an entire show about Ahsoka. Like then, oh, no. You know? Do not have that expectation, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, that's actually good. Yeah. Um. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, there can't be like four shows about Ahsoka. Imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, I would mean, like that. I would like it too, to be honest. Um, so we will be watching episodes one, two, and three, and then episodes seven through thirteen. If you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can do that. Email. Write us an email to hello at seriallyhooked.com. Website. You can check out our website and suggest future topics at seriallyhooked.com. Twitter! You can find us on Twitter at seriallyhooked. If you like the show, tell a friend or 10, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference and helps people discover the show. Oh, by the way, I only have until eight. <laughs> I can <laughs> put... I can- <laughs> I can you push. Say that now? I can push till eight thirty. That's fine. Okay. I, I think you need to. Yeah, I'll point. push till eight thirty. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, that's I fine. Um, <laughs> I would have. I would have saved this for a, d- a different time. No, no, no. This is great. <laughs> yeah, because that's just how my brain works. Like, so, so you yeah. mean? I thought your brain. I thought when you said that when you started, you were like, "That's how my brain works." I was like, "Oh man, he's gonna think they're gonna fuck." Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. maybe on rule 34 but not on disney (laughs) um
So yeah, this has been the second part of episode of oh, Jesus Christ of season three, and we're going to continue with, of course, the first half of season four. And Rashad, can you tell us which episodes to watch? Oh shit! Give me a second. Fuck. No, no, give, me, give, give, me, give me one second. I just have to look at the episode list. I, I know them yeah. off the heart, but I have to. I haven't read as, them down. Uh, <laughs> as I was saying that, I was like, I wonder if he has prepared this. I, I did prepare it, and I didn't. Crap. <laughs>